You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue. Today we are talking lunar habitation and the research happening up at Purdue, exploring the possibilities of future living situations on the moon and or even Mars. Uh, before we jump into that, just want to quickly give a shout out to some big NASA space fans in my family, my, my brother-in-law Tushan and his wife Megan and their uh, two beautiful daughters, Norelia and Anjali. Uh, Norelia was fittingly uh, born on the 49th anniversary of the moon landing, and so she was appropriately given the initials of NASA. And while Anjali was just born uh, more recently, we, she had the uh, nickname of Apollo 2 as we awaited her birth. So guys, this episode is for you. I also thought it was kind of fitting that we were uh, planning to do this episode, uh, unbeknownst to me, that we scheduled it the same day as NASA was supposed to do their SpaceX uh, Falcon 9 launch. But as Shirley and I were getting ready to start this podcast, we learned that that has been postponed. So we will keep an eye out on that. But uh, looking forward to uh, seeing what unfolds with that. Uh, and speaking of, let's launch into this episode. It's my pleasure to welcome in my guest from the School of Mechanical and Civil Engineering, Professor Shirley Dyke. Shirley, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you very much. I'm doing great and glad to be here. Thank you. Awesome. Well, as I mentioned off the top, we are talking about uh, lunar habitation and the study you are a part of up at Purdue. Uh, tell us about this study. Well, what we're trying to do is to look at the resilience of extraterrestrial habitats, and that could be moon or Mars. Um, right now we're thinking about surface habitats on the moon. And how do you design those types of buildings, basically, to be resilient to all of the different space hazards that could occur? Gotcha. And is this study focusing uh, mainly on people or plant life or both? Well, the idea is that we would have a, a habitat that would support people at certain times, and it would be uncrewed, manned, manned completely by robotics oh, okay. at other times, Got so it. completely autonomous. Awesome. Well, what made you interested in, uh, in studying this? Well, actually, about three to three and a half years ago, we had an opportunity at Purdue to uh, get some internal funding uh, from the provost office, the New Horizons program, and we started a small group of, of individuals started thinking of crazy ideas where Purdue could be, uh, 10 years from now, Purdue could be leading the way in a certain topic. And so we got together and came up with a whole bunch of ideas, but this was the one that came to the top of the heap. And we wrote a proposal and started some work in that area. And then NASA came along and had a solicitation. So we wrote a bigger proposal and, and brought a bigger team together. Awesome. And then tell me about uh when this specific study uh, started? So we started officially September 1st of last year. Um, before that, we did some setup and planning, but that was, that was basically when things started off. And how many people are assisting with the study? So it's a, it's a project team that consists of four universities. There's 21 faculty. Uh, we just added, actually added our second 22 uh, a few days ago. So it's 22 faculty spread across four universities, including Purdue, the University of Connecticut, Harvard, and uh, University of Texas, San Antonio. Awesome. Um, in this article I read, uh, kind of talking about the study, it mentioned these three habitat char characteristics that are particularly important, uh, resilience, intelligence, and autonomy. Talk about those. 
Well, resilience is the ability for a habitat to bounce back. Um, you know, we, we have hazards here on the earth and we have cities that, that uh, experience those hazards and they don't bounce back right away. It takes a lot of time and effort for them to come back to normalcy. And we're trying to develop the inherent ability in, in habitats, space habitats, so that they can bounce back faster. And that really includes a couple of things. It includes, first of all, designing so that the system has the ability to be resilient and bounce back from those hazards. Secondly, um, being intelligent or being aware. And that means it has sensors placed throughout it to determine, to, to distinguish what is actually happening, diagnose that problem and figure out what could go wrong and what is happening within the habitat. What's the state of the habitat so that we can stop cascading effects from happening, respond in an intelligent way. And then the third thing is robotics. So if, if all else fails, maybe the robots are the answer to solving the problem, just like a human might be if a human were there, but the robots could go out and fix things quickly, and even if, if the humans were incapacitated or just were unable to quickly don their spacesuits and get outside and do something, there could be robots that solve that problem. Wow, that's so cool. And they talk about the, um, these little quarter-scale uh, habitats that you guys have up there in the uh, Herrick's lab, or Herrick labs, I'm sorry. Yeah, so what we're trying to do is build what's called the cyber-physical test bed. It's not built yet, uh, we're still working on that, but um, throughout this first year we've been designing habitats that consist partially of computer models and partially of physical models. If you envision maybe a dome structure that is cooled on the outside like a structure would be you know, on the surface of the moon, um, the, the temperature is controlled on the outside as if it was in those environmental conditions. You can induce damage. You can look at power failures. You can look at all sorts of different types of hazards that could occur and faults that might result from those hazards. And we're trying to build that experimental apparatus in such a way that we can, one day it could be on the moon and the next day, because we just changed the computer models, it could be on Mars yeah. or it could be somewhere else. And how closely can you replicate these to the surface of the moon or the, the environment? Well, it, it would be extremely challenging to replicate it to the, to, to realistically in all respects. But what we are doing is trying to learn from our experiments. So if we're trying to learn from our experiments, we design it with certain features in mind. And then we try to um, conduct the experiment in such a way that we can sense, we can take measurements of what we're trying to look at. For instance, if we're trying to look at how well can we detect damage on the surface of a structure when there is a temperature gradient across that structure? That's an example of an experiment that we have in mind to start off with. So it's not a matter of realistic exactly, it's a matter of um, doing an experiment that is informative, that tells us something about the engineering and the science behind these things. Gotcha, and what have you learned so far eight to nine months into this uh, study and you know how confident or Realistic, do you think it is for habitation on the moon and how soon? Well, that's a good question. I, I don't know if I can predict how soon exactly. It's probably at least on the order of a decade off yeah. for, for any sort of longer term uh, habitation other than a few days. Um, but what we have been doing is developing some new techniques for cyber physical testing. We've been developing models for robotics so that we could capture those robots. We've been developing integrated system modeling techniques 
so that we can actually look at the complex interactions between these systems. As I mentioned, these systems, you know how a, a battery works, or you know how a solar panel works, or you know how a structure works, but when you put it in combination with all of these other pieces, and they're all interacting, it's very hard to predict everything's behavior. So we're building it that way. We're building computer models as component models, and then we're putting it together to build a system. So understanding those systems is, is where we're making some very good progress now. Yeah. Uh, is this an, an indefinite study, or do you have an end date for this? Or It's a five-year project. Okay. It's funded by NASA for five years, so we do envision um, being done in around five years and hopefully moving on and taking that taking those technologies, bringing them into NASA, um, bringing them to other projects within Purdue even, uh, taking them to uh, other government agencies maybe as well. There, I mean, there's lots of opportunities for this to move forward. Um, resilience, many people have probably heard of it. It's an extremely important topic these days. Uh, we all know, I mean, we're right now in the middle of a a coronavirus pandemic, we clearly uh, have some resilience questions that we should be addressing there. So I think that um, so I think that there's a lot of opportunities to take what we learn and, and move it into other disciplines here on Earth, as well as in space. Yeah. Hey, and if the uh, pandemic comes back in five years after the study, maybe we can all escape to the moon to uh, escape the pandemic, right? You never know. <laughs> probably not. Probably not very realistic, though. <laughs> hey, but maybe. Uh, you know, five years from now or whenever is the next step, you know, maybe we can put some more Boilermakers up there on the moon to, to uh, further explore this and, you know, on the surface itself, right? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of science to be done on the surface of the moon. That, that we really need to learn a lot more about that. So. Well, I talked to um, one of the more recent NASA graduates, Laurel O'Hara, back uh, a few months ago after she graduated from the space program and she talked about being the first female on the moon. So that would be really cool if these all came together and we got her up there right that would be great yes awesome i agree uh anything else about the study i know you're doing other studies too talking about i think what the craters and and earthquakes and things like that up there any of that stuff or your well, other research you want to talk about just to mention some of some of the other things that we've been thinking about over the years um have been the question of these lava tubes so there are lava tubes on the moon um the the science tells us that these are on the order of a few kilometers wide to a thousand kilometers long. And if so, that means that you could put whole cities, <laughs> something that takes the space of a whole city on the earth, you could put that inside of a lava tube wow. on the moon. And if that's the case, then they, they offer shielding from radiation, which is one of the biggest hazards that we don't have a lot of good answers as to how to deal with right now. Um, then the opportunity to put, to put at least our initial uh, habitats inside of lava tubes is very powerful. So that's something we're thinking about. It's certainly not the only thing that we're thinking about, but it's, it's one of those case studies that we'll explore as we move down this path with that's, this project. So. That's really cool, Shirley. I appreciate you uh, sharing all this. I look forward to continuing to follow as more data and information comes from your, from, comes from your research. Uh, before we wrap up, anything else that you want to add for our listeners? Just, just maybe to mention that there's a lot of educational opportunities that this also brings at Purdue and the other institutions that are involved. I mean, it, all of the people doing the research here are faculty, graduate students, undergraduate students that are at these universities. And uh, that means that they bring this into the classroom as well. So 
uh, interdisciplinary research and learning about interdisciplinary topics is important for everybody. That's awesome. And if anybody wants to kind of follow along as this research is going, is there anywhere they can kind of keep a track on, on things online or anywhere? Yeah, we actually have the, a website. Um, it, it is at purdue.edu slash rethi, one word, R-E-T-H-I. And uh, we also have um, a YouTube page, but I don't think there's that much on it yet. <laughs> so, but we, we, we will put more information on there as we go forward. So. Awesome. Well, for our listeners, I'll add that link to the uh, web article I post along with this episode so people can click on that and uh, follow along as well. Shirley, thank you so much uh, for your time. It's uh, very exciting and interesting to learn about this research. And it, like I said, I can't wait to see what comes out of it as, uh, as the years go on. Thank you very much. Happy to talk anytime. Thanks. All right. Take care and boiler up. <laughs> Bye-bye, Adam. Bye. A reminder, you can follow the Full Steam Ahead podcast on Twitter at Full Steam Pod. And you can always listen to, like, comment, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.